Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Well, this is very exciting. It is super exciting. So after like 18 months of lockdown and COVID carry on, probably nearly two years now, <laughs> Carla, I know you're still in WA. It's a bit disappointing <laughs> because you're still so far away and you can't get out. But Schmidty and I and Wu are in the same room. So nice to see your face in face. In face. Instead of on Zoom or whatever it is. I totally agree as I sip my drink. I like that glass too. (laughs) Oh, you mean this trial by wine glass? I do (laughs) mean that trial by wine glass. Feeling like you're missing out there, Carla? Absolutely. Although you'll be very proud of me. I've actually got, I've got a glass and I've got myself some rosé today. I know, I don't want everyone to be too shocked, but I thought I'd I'd make a special effort seeing as though we were celebrating, as you call it, your COVID, what was it? Shenanigans? No, COVID. What was the C word you used for COVID? I liked it just then. The C word? Yes, not the C word. Oh, you just used this terminology for COVID carry. carry COVID carry on, you called it. Oh, right. Oh, and COVID the come carry to on. Oh, went right down the wrong rabbit hole about <laughs> Sorry. the C yes, word. I clearly right, don't listen to myself because I had no idea that I even said that. I, th- I laughed and I thought it was quite apt, especially for WA. It is oh, you, totally COVID carry on. Like there could be a... Like a series, the COVID carry-on. That's like, goes on and in on WA, on. it's like, you know that carry-on laughing series? That was mm-hmm. a carry-on series. It's like it's totally carry-on COVIDing over Carry-on COVIDing. <laughs> Episode, I don't know, 375. We had planned to stop producing any more episodes, but no, we're going again. <laughs> carry-on COVID. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Indeed. Right. So now that we've established what some of us are in the same room, not all of us, uh, what are we drinking? Oh, well, this is funny, right? Because normally we'd go through three drinks that we're drinking. Um, Actually, you're not drinking yet. God, I got carried away then. Um, I thought because we're all in the same room, we'd all be drinking the same stuff. That's because you didn't actually offer me one. Well, no, because you were so (laughs) proud of your dodgy cruises. Would you I'm like to? Someone else's would you like to drink right what now. we're drinking? Oh, that is a Tarawara Chardonnay, my favourite. It's a Cardinet <laughs> Um Okay, so what we are drinking, and what we you are going to be drinking shortly, is a Tarawara Estate <laughs> 2012 Reserve <gasps> Chardonnay from oh, the Yarra Valley. I've got some Ooh, very nice similar vintages that I haven't allowed anyone to drink of the same wine. Because no it is the best, way. absolutely, most beautiful Chardonnay I've ever had. Well, this is exciting. <laughs> there you go. You can skull Thanks, that Regina. cruiser and we'll get you onto something else. Um, but, yeah, enough of that. Carla, what are you drinking? Well, it's just, it's not terribly exciting. It's just one of my uh, favourite rosés, the Ramador. But I was, 
I'm doing that on the back of going to a 21st last night where I drank bucket loads of champagne. So I'm very lucky that I'm not too nasally, really, so that I can um, have a little glass of rosé with you to celebrate you guys being together. And uh, well, cheers, cheers, darling. <coughs> cheers. Sorry, that was me coughing. The thing I love about you saying I drank bucket loads of champagne. Yep. And I'm not too nasally, as opposed <laughs> to, and my head's not in a bucket vomiting. <laughs> Well, there was a moment, I have to say, that sort of, it was so, it's been so hot over here, we've had a heat wave, and I, this is like day five, I think it was last night. So I woke up at 4am this morning and I was like, oh God, I feel so rough. So I went and found like another bed in the house that was cool with more air conditioning and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be so sick tomorrow, but I'm actually fine. So I'm just a bit tired, bit bit shaky, but I, I, things are much better than I thought they were going to be at 4am, trust me. They weren't looking good at that point, but okay, I'm okay. Good job. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I suppose we should introduce ourselves for those people who have just joined us. So I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And, and together, together we, we are. We are. Trial by Wine. <laughs> that could have been our best one ever. We'll find out when I do the edit. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> um, who's got a story for us? Uh, not me. Hopefully I it was you. you. <laughs> Hopefully you. Yes, I have. I have. I have. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we start? Well, I think we should talk about the elephant in the room. We should. Otherwise known as our fabulous guest. So, not so, actually an elephant at all. Yes, yes. So, um... <laughs> So today's story is about um, legal process. And so we've got our dear friend of Trial by Wine, uh, who is a lawyer, a very, very good lawyer. And her name is Regina Lawless. Regina, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks Hi. for the invitation. <laughs> so uh, Regina is going to be giving us some uh, expert commentary on this story. Uh, so I'm going to take you through the whole story um, and then we'll unpick it with Regina, um, which should be a little bit of fun. It's quite a serious story um, and one that really makes me angry. Uh, so for those of you who know us well, you'll know that Stuart and I love to watch movies about um, the challenges that black people have had, particularly in America, things like the colour purple and, and those sorts of things that, um, you know, that they really are quite emotive for us, uh, but we love it when things work out in the end. And so um, this story, I think, for me is, is one that I was quite shocked to hear about. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take you through it. It's, it's interesting. But I would encourage you, because it is a bit serious, to uh, interject as much as you can and make lots of jokes. Otherwise, it'll just be a boring, serious podcast. Am I going to end up as extremely drunk as I was in the Marie Joseph the... story because I get very angry about these things and oh, drink too much? Fuck, I hope so. That'd be great. If you could commit Sorry, to that. Sorry, Regina. I apologise in advance. Don't Some worry, Regina will be, be giving us her expert legal commentary uh, whilst quite drunk, I'm sure. So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Alrighty then, so I'll get on with it. So today's story uh, is called The Camouflage Assassin Rapper. 
So it's about uh, a rapper and he was the camouflage assassin. So a um, mouthful. It is, it is. Uh, so his name's McKinley It doesn't Fitz. roll off the tongue, does it? The camouflage but assassin. It doesn't rapper. even sound cool, like the camouflage <laughs> assassin. Like, it's um, like, I'd, I'd be very interested to see how that name came about because it does feel rather... Eight syllables say, is a lot. But it's a lot to work with. Camouflage assassin. Assassin. Rapper. 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 Oh, camouflage. Oh, that. I didn't put that in. Ah. Right. Okay. I was going to say. I can count. You can. You're very good at it. Critiquing oh, this oh, early oh. in the podcast. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, funny. So it's about McKinley Phipps. Uh, he grew up as the eldest of six kids in Uptown Nolan's uh, Broadmoor community. As the first person in his immediate family to pursue music professionally, Phipps developed a love for hip-hop by watching one of his uncle's friends DJ family parties. His mother, Sheila, was a painter and a visual artist, and she always encouraged him to pursue a creative path. His dad, on the other hand, was a Vietnam vet who worked uh, for the VA hospital and instilled uh, values in McKinley about taking care of his family. Uh, And... From all of the research I've done and all of the um, stories that I've seen through that process, he just seems like a really lovely soul. The uh, father? No, McKinley. McKinley himself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, goodness. I didn't do the uh, the sources. So I came across this story watching ID on Foxtel and I can't recall the name of the show, so I'm going to have to say that up front, but it was a really good show. Uh, so that was one of my sources. So, so sorry, your source is something on investigation discovery. Exactly so right. Go for. find it. <laughs> yeah, and good luck with that. Um, but also the undefeated.com, redbulletin.com, xxlmag.com, our Huffington Post. So they're my sources. No, no. No lad bible. No lad bible. Oh, let us down again. I'm going to have to start uh, when I find a topic, googling that on lad bible. Yeah. Probably searching for that on lad That's bible is a better thing to see uh, if it's there. Absolutely, because mm. you've razzed me so much about not sourcing on lad bible. I always check. We did razz you about <laughs> um, having credible sources too, which oh, you know, I'm sorry, only that. credible sources. Oh, I really like the point of that. I think Carla and I were most disappointed. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, a local rapper, Gregory D and DJ Manny Fresh, noticed his talent from an early age. Uh, he was a very prodigious... Prodigious? Prodigious. Prodigious. Yeah, it's funny. I've got this written down as prodigious, and I literally just cut and pasted that bit. Let's so. say you spell it, yeah. but you say prodigious. Well, there we go. Good chat. I learned so much on this podcast. Ooh, it's look great. At me funny. Now that we're it's face to face, it's quite a different dynamic. It is it? a very different dynamic. Uh, so he was, a, he was a prodigious talent with an impressive flow and an extensive vocabulary. And when the preteen wasn't in school, he was already in the studio recording until the wee hours of the morning. He promised his parents that he'd be sorry that he would keep his grades up if they agreed to let him sign a record deal. He was beyond his years. Uh, Phipps' first DJ, DJ Wop, says, that little dude was phenomenal. He mesmerised his rhymes pretty quickly. It almost... 
gosh, I'm struggling. I've already had two glasses of wine. Apologies, everyone. Uh, it's almost like he's remembering it as he's writing. Mac is not a five-take person. It's either one or two takes. So uh, Mac was also known as Little Mac because uh, he was a kid at the time. And he became uh, one of New Orleans' hip-hop's first child star. A product of the Broadmoor neighbourhood in Uptown, Mac started writing rhymes in the 80s, battling with other kids and adults in the neighbourhood. Victory at a local talent show landed him a deal with Yo! Records, where at the age of 13, he'd released his album, The Lyrical Midget. Oh! oh. I just love that. The Lyrical Is that a Midget. a lyrical small person? Well, he was a child, not a midget. That's, it's like impersonating a midget. Are you allowed to use that word? No. I think Which word? I can't remember. Yeah. If that, I, I don't think it's... Or something. Yeah, isn't it like... It was his album. Oh, okay. What's annoying though, well, not annoying, what's kind of odd, are you allowed to use that word? If you're a midget, you can probably use it. If you're a kid, you can't use it, surely. I like the fact that we're debating about midget, not lyrical. Because, you know, was it particularly lyrical? It's rap, of course it's lyrical. It's all about the lyrics. It's just... Yakety yak, 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 yak. It's not good lyrics necessarily, but it is lyrical. Thank you, you just proved my point. But he's not a midget. Um, <laughs> it's just, they were, this sh- they were very short songs. <laughs> <laughs> Little songs. Oh, I like that. It is one of those terms, I've looked it up, and midget was formerly used to describe dwarfs, <gasps> but now it's regarded as Are you allowed to say that even? I'm reading that from Wikipedia. I'm saying that's what they're saying. Historically, okay. the term midget was used to describe dwarves, and I don't think you can say that either now. I love the way she's saying, saying the term twice. is now often regarded as offensive. I was like, so I think small person is all you've got to work with. I love how we're moving away from having words for things. So you can't yes. actually have a word that means. Yeah, you have to describe that. You've it got in to say they're a small generic person. way. But then if you were to say you're a big person, that doesn't refer to the whole population. I guess he's thinking that if he had called himself the lyrical small person, it probably didn't have the same. Wouldn't have been the same cut through. Big is in tall. No, the lyrical small person. And anyway, Biggie Smalls might have had a problem with that. But if you're a big person, that's not like a normal person. So there must be like small people who are midgets. Did you just say something nasty about big people? No, I'm just trying to work out relatively, if you're a small person, do you refer to the rest of the population as big people? Or do you have small person, normal size person, big person? large person. Yeah, like what's the... Because we can't have words for anything anymore. It's all it's very confusing. And if you're a small heights. person, do you call yourself a normal person and other people big people? So all we should do is categorise by height. So 1.2 and unders, <laughs> 1.x and, you know, yes. basically... Or is, is Oompa Loompa an okay term? <laughs> Look at their orange yeah, faces. I'm thinking um, probably. I love I Oompa Loompas. I think what makes that problematic is simply that that's a fictional characterisation of a race, the Oompa Loompas. They came from an island. They weren't just all little people, small people. Are they, what do you call it? Are they little people or small people? Midgets. Small people. Small people. Small people. Small people. Fuck okay. it, they're dwarves. Who cares? <laughs> anyway. Fuck, I'm sick of you can't use blind, deaf, 
about fairy Small, penguins? Fairy, no. Oh, that offends me. Good. I'm They're little penguins that now. Fuck. And you know what? If I'm having a gay old time, it doesn't mean I'm having having a homosexual moment. Well, I can have a gay old time in two ways, can't you I? You can, <laughs> and I don't begrudge you that. So they can't. Uh, anyway, back to the story. <laughs> So by the late 90s, uh, New Orleans was becoming the unlikely rap capital of the world, thanks to the business acumen of Master P and his No Limit Records roster of Mia X, C Murder, Mystical, none of him I've heard of, and the California Transplant Snoop Dogg, who we have heard of. Uh, Master P was scooping up talent across the city and Mac was a top three agent. Stupid name. Master P. Master P. He's really good at going to the toilet. He yeah. weighs everywhere. <laughs> He's Master P. It's like that character from Little Britain. Anne, is it? That just weighs. Oh, no, Anne's Anne. 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 <laughs> There's the one who just weighs everywhere in the shops. In the yeah, post office. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yes. Anyway. I clearly haven't watched enough Little Britain. I know, anyway. I've forgotten a bit. I need to go back and watch it. Oh, Little, Little Britain is gold. Right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, don't I worry. I went and saw the. Um, the live performance up in Brisbane when it was out with a friend of mine yeah. and true to form, we drank quite a bit of wine. She ended up having to vomit in her cup <laughs> at her seat because she didn't want to leave because <laughs> she was enjoying it so much. <laughs> it's Caitlin. Oh my God. Oh, just don't, don't say don't it. Don't use names. Shh. Edit, edit. <laughs> anyway. It uh, might have someone we both know. As it turns out. It is, yes. <laughs> Sorry, if that individual happens to listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm going back to our olden days. Oh, with the... Let's rock. Let's rock. Yeah. Duke, 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 Duke. And... Let's go. Yeah, bitch is going. Bitch. hated that bitch. Anyway. He always smashed you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, there, yep. So yeah, by right. 1996, he was an official member of No Limit Records, the hottest label in America. But by 2000, uh, Mac had grown frustrated with his No Limit deal, disappointed by the performance of his second album, World War Three. He wanted to get back to the music he loved before he joined and launch his own label with his family as his prime helpers. On the night of the 20th of February 2000, he had a gig scheduled at Club Mercedes in Slidell, Louisiana, about 90 minutes of where he lived in Baton Rouge. His family were to help, his mother working the door, and his dad and brother Chad inside to make sure things ran smoothly. So Phipps really didn't want to perform at the gig. The 22-year-old had just returned from doing shows in Mississippi and was about to embark on another tour. He was asleep when his dad, Phipps Sr., why do we have to call him Phipps Senior when he's his dad? I feel like he's got his. You're telling the story. You can call I know. Him I'm like. so retarded sometimes. Oh, can I use that no, word? No, no, that's no. That's another one that sounds. Another <laughs> It's going to be really hard to podcast when I can't use words. That's going well, to happen one day. It is a bit limiting. I agree. <laughs> You're going to have to use interpretive dance. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to go to video on YouTube by then. <laughs> uh, so his dad uh, came to get him to go to the show. Looking back, his father said, I think about that moment all the time. I remember him sleeping and thinking I could just let him sleep. I felt so guilty about waking him up. Uh, knowing what I know, that's quite emotive at this point. I don't even guys, know the story, but I already feel sad. Just remember this. Yeah. Yeah. So when uh, Mac woke up, he decided to go ahead and perform. After all, he owed it to his fans and there were plenty of them. So he headed off to perform a gig that would change the course of his life. 
So whilst at the club, according to witnesses, a fight broke out on the dance floor during the show. In the midst of the fight, a gunshot was heard, Mm. prompting people to run to the exits. But Max says he stayed behind to look for his mother. Many who weren't close to the fracas said they weren't sure the noise they heard was an actual gunshot or whether it was a gunshot sound effect from the No Limit music the DJ was playing. Mac, who says he didn't see the fight start, pulled out a gun he kept for self-defence. Though he says he never fired the gun, witnesses saw him holding it and pointing it towards the ceiling. I find that odd that you're going to perform a concert or a show and you take a gun. I'm not sure. I think you've got to think about context. So, A, everyone in America, I know I generalise, but a lot of people in America carry guns. This is a what, – what, you're close to the story. What period is this around, like, the Tupac? And uh, the, around 2000. Yeah, so you had Tupac beaten shot. You had um, Fiddy has been Fiddy shot Sam. several times or, and, you know, whatever. Because I don't think it's just a rap situation. It's a bit of a – gang and rap situation, not with this individual uh, from anything that you've said so far, but certainly the wider culture that he's operating within. Yeah. So mm, I'm not sure taking a gun is that odd. I mean, it is definitely to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, though, had he not taken the gun, this Everything whole story wouldn't have would over. played yeah. out. So there's an yeah. awful lot. That, that decision to take a gun to a show that he's going to perform changed the whole course of his life not because of his doing but it's just an interesting thing and and i kind of like the gun laws that we have where we don't have that temptation to take a gun when he found out his mother was already outside he and most of his crew left his dad stayed behind though and saw 19 year old baron victor jr on the ground bleeding he'd been shot in the arm a nursing student was tending to the wound and she told phipps senior that victor would be fine so he left too, trailing behind Mac and the rest on the way to Baton Rouge. Back at the house, everyone was buzzing about what happened. They all knew, sorry, all they knew was that a fight broke out and someone had gotten shot. When Fitz Senior arrived home, he quickly got ready for bed, putting on his PJ pants, also known as pyjama pants for those who don't use the PJ. Is that, a, is that another misappropriated word that you're upset about, Mark? No. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we can call them pyjamas. We can call them PJs. Yeah, yeah. Can't we? Yeah. It's okay. true. Just checking. Uh, so before he could get his top on, he noticed a commotion outside. He walked out to see three police officers with guns drawn, yelling at him to get on his knees. And he says, what's going on, officers? We're looking for Mac. He's under arrest for murder. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played. Order, order in the court. Schmidt, Schmitty bought me a gavel, and I love oh, it. I bought all of us a gavel. I just haven't got around to sending you one. Sorry, Carla. So Mac was taken to St Tammany Parish Sheriff's interrogation room, where he sat bewildered. He was being questioned about a shooting he wasn't even sure had happened until he'd already left Club Mercedes. He wanted to get out of the interrogation room as fast as he could. So before he even had a lawyer present, Regina's heckles just raised, uh, he lied 
telling defect detectives, defectives. telling defective detectives, yeah. I call think is appropriate. Is. Yeah. That call that what it is. You can't say midget, but you can say defective I'm not detective. Misappropriating a word. I'm a, I'm applying an adjective to these detectives, being that they are defective. <laughs> yes. It's different. It's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> so he lied, telling detectives that he didn't have a gun on him. His main concern was a concealed weapons charge. Murder never crossed his mind. Oh, well, it wouldn't if you didn't murder someone. Mm, correct. But also, from his perspective, he was so confident he was getting out of jail because he felt whoever got shot was living, he remembered. Yeah, that's right. He was going to wake yeah. up and be able to tell them who shot him. So he figured he's going home. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Max's plan fell apart when a detective informed him that the bullet that hit Victor in the arm travelled into his chest and killed him. Oh, jeez. Oh, Realising he was now facing a murder charge, Mac fessed up that he did have a gun. Now mm. his plan was to invite the police back to his home so he could show them his gun. They'd see a bullet was never discharged and would prove his innocence. You'd like to think. So the police returned to the Phipps family home in Baton Rouge with Mac in handcuffs. He led them to his room where Mac says they saw the gun was still fully loaded and had not been discharged. That wasn't enough for the police. They came up with this story that I must have had another weapon that I threw out of the car or something, Mac recalled. And my response is, what a bunch of motherfuckers. Anyway. Ooh, that's not the half of it. Oh, great. There's a lot more to come. Great. But great, great, great. Yes. And sometimes maybe there's nothing wrong with fucking mothers. I don't know, but I feel like these police need Is it some... right to fuck your own mother? Oh, fuck no. no. All right, so own motherfuckers uh, then. What are you... Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. If I'm just... back, sorry, we're, 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 again, we're back on the language thing. Yes. So we're just debating what that insult means. And when I say motherfuckers, I mean own their own mothers. Oh, and that is offensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fucked Nailed up. Nailed it. And her. So the police proceeded... <laughs> That took a while to get through my <laughs> alcoholic, foggy brain, but that was funny. Right. The police proceeded to tear through the house looking for a murder weapon, the family recalled. They gathered all of the siblings and started to question them until an aunt <laughs> pressed them to stop. Then all the kids watched while Mac got walked out of the house in cuffs, his mother screaming that he was innocent. Now, I cut a lot out of that, but there were stories about the kids and what they recalled, and, and it was really quite traumatic for the whole family, um, who obviously all believe that Mac is innocent. Absolutely, no doubt. I would like to add for our um, listeners' benefit that our guest star, Regina Lawless, has been getting quite fired up over here in the corner and may even be taking some notes as we speak. Yes. Ready for her response to this. Um, can't wait. <laughs> and I, honestly, whilst we'll come back and recap on, on some of this, I think uh, if you've got stuff to um, express, you yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're ready to murder <laughs> someone, rather than murdering someone, just speak your words. Or not murder yeah. someone and be accused of it. Use your words like a big boy clone. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favourites from uh, Austin Powers. Gold member. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I can I can I just add just a few sure. things. There's a whole lot of wrongness in this in this case already. They take him back to his house. There's no search warrant, so whether he allowed them to search or not would have been a massive issue in the case if they'd found material that he provided, such as 
the gun. I mean, did they take the gun? Who knows? Did they did they test the gun? Well, no, because there was no shot fired. So they're saying that that gun wasn't the murder weapon. Therefore, he must have had another one that he threw out of the car. It's, it's, did they test the gunshot residue on his hands? No, no. There he well, was. We haven't got that far, but I'm going to guess no. Mm-mm. Nothing I'm that say, I read. Defective detecting that. happening here. Someone saw you hold a gun in the vicinity of someone else getting shot. Therefore, you did it. That's exactly what yeah. it. I love. And you're like. black. Yes. Yeah. That that reminds me <gasps> of that. <gasps> I'm sorry. Did I upset you? <laughs> that reminds me of that line from um, Lethal Weapon Two, where I'm going to join. Bad South African accent. But he says, who's the dickhead now? Who's eh? the dickhead now? <laughs> you don't want to go to South Africa. You're black. That's one of the lines from Lethal Weapon You don't want to go. Yeah. To Danny Glover. Because he's black. So <laughs> the door closed behind the Mac space. and the police. No murder weapon was ever found. Regina. Mm-hmm. Regina. She just pulled an angry face. Very angry face. Have a drink. And Every you time can, yeah. you feel angry, have a drink. And then you can be as pissed as I was in mediocre murders. <laughs> and then you might nearly be up to Schmidt and I. very angry in that episode. Right. So um, if this part has made you angry, Ooh. listen to this. <laughs> Strap yourself in, baby. <laughs> so after a few days, Mac's dad started hearing rumours out of the Broadmoor neighbourhood that someone was bragging about killing Victor. Order, order. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get over the gavel thing. Thomas Williams, 36 at the time, had been a friend of the family and was engaged to Mac's aunt, who had two kids with her. He helped out with the security for Mac's shows. And now he was supposedly telling people he committed the shooting that put Mac in prison. Mac's dad arranged to meet Thomas outside of the gas station where he told him, you've got to do what's right, man. What if it was your son? So William said to Mac's dad that he would confess, but he was scared. He disappeared for a few days until his conscience took over. This is something I don't get. Schmitty, you might understand it. So with his pasta on hand, mm. and that's not um, Italian pasta. No, it's, it's religious pasta. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pasta. Here we go with Paul ridiculing my faith again. But anyway, let's move <laughs> let's on. go on a religious rant. <laughs> um, that's not. An anti-religious rant, maybe. Mm. Uh, Williams went to the St. Tammany Parish Sheriff's Office and confessed. In his videotaped statement... He said, Baron was charging at me with a beer bottle, causing him to panic and shoot in self-defence. But the St Tammany police never charged him for the killing or searched his place for the murder weapon. Even after he was arrested for an unrelated firearms offence six months later. He walked in and said, I done it. And Uh they did nothing about it. Did not. They didn't. Your mum did. No, we got the guy. Don't worry about it, chum. Do we know whether Williams was white or black? No, they were black. black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, you don't want to admit you're wrong. Of course not. I mean, I assume. Yeah, yeah. No, because he was a friend of the um, of the family, so he must have been black. Because you couldn't possibly have interracial friendships. Oh my oh, lord! No. This just takes so many bad steps. Anyway, 
I say that in jest. It just it, this shit just really annoys but me, is he right? Black? So I, I know you. I, I know the assumption is, but he's black yes. as well. Isn't and he doesn't want to go to South Africa. <laughs> it's not a great place. Goodness, it's a great place. It's lovely. Did you say it's not it's a great got a lot place? Of COVID at the moment. Have you been there? I'd like to go there. You haven't been Where there and you're saying it's not a great place? Because of the COVID. Ouch. That's harsh. Didn't the Omicron come from South Africa? Correct. Allegedly. 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 Point. Well <laughs> said, yeah, Regina. Yeah, allegedly, but also it's the good variant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yes, mean, if ever a... you were going to get one, you want that. You don't want Delta Goodrum. Uh, that's She's like, a bitch. How's the irony that Delta Goodrum yeah. versus Omicron, which is good, it's better. Delta you, has good in her name. I know. Anyway. That's not fair. Delta is not the Delta variant of COVID. Delta sings, Delta I was Goodrum's born to nothing try. To do with it. And she's wonderful. And it's a shame that her name is Delta, only because it's now associated with Delta. It's variant. a shame that the New South Wales Health used an image of Delta Goodrum oh on their promos. Oh, you're kidding me. I'm 100% not. <laughs> hey? 100% they did. Disgusting. Oh, as we say many a time, but we digress. Anyway, Far out. it's only because this is going to make us very angry. We don't even need the story. We could just talk shit all day without the story. <laughs> Although probably bore everyone else. After he was charged or arrested with an unrelated firearms offence, they still didn't check his gun, right? So someone's come in and said, I did it. He's got a gun. They never said, can you get us your gun and we'll see whether we can do any ballistics tests. Yeah. No, what we're going to say is did not, and then we have one of those like primary school fights of you are, you are more. I know you are, but what am I? Now I know what you are. <laughs> <sighs> Let me tell you a little bit about St Tammany Parish. So it was nicknamed St Slamany. It had a reputation for the zeal for which former District Attorney Walter Reed pursued cases, had a high conviction rate. Get into that one, Regina, later. Can't wait. <laughs> and law enforcement's propensity for roughing up black folks. Ooh. We'll talk a little bit more about Walter, who is not one of our peeps. Mac wasn't just any black person. He was part of a no-limit group helmed by a brash young millionaire in Master P who had brought up mansions in Baton Rouge's most exclusive neighbourhood. That put a target on his back. So there was a trial. And during his trial, prosecutors harped on Mac's rap nickname, the Camouflage Assassin. They misquoted lyrics, splicing lines from two separate songs to say, murder, murder, kill, kill, you fuck with me, you get a bullet in your brain. That sounds a bit harsh as a lyric. It is from two songs. Um, not sure there's a connection between what you sing about and what you actually do. Also, he didn't get shot in the brain, he got shot in the heart. Unless you sing about the Macarena, in which case you sing about what you do. But if you were to look at, like even Delta Goodrum singing about I was born to try... I think she was born to try, but there's not necessarily a connection between what you sing about and, and what you do in life. Correct. Yeah, agreed. Hmm. Unless you're in this case. Are you right there, Carla? Yes. I'm uncomfortable. Oh, you look, you look like a midget. Midget. Oh, I am. I 
I was just Hang moving it. down to the floor. Oh. Do we need a little break? No. It's like, oh. You need a wee oh, break? Do you need a break? I need a wee. <laughs> oh. uh, wait, that wasn't a question for you to answer, Swanee. That was a, squ- a question well, for you. Well, you're just jumping up and down, and I just was checking. But I can go on. I can, I can hold it. Okay. So those lyrics promoted Mac as someone who promoted killing. The defendant who did this is the same defendant whose message is murder, murder, kill, kill, you fuck with me, you get a bullet to your brain, Assistant District Attorney Bruce Deering told jurors in his closing argument. You don't have to be a genius, Regina, to figure out that one plus one equals two. No, in this case, one plus one equals 75. There's no fucking one to add with one to get to two. (laughs) Yeah, if this is a maths, I think you did this the other day when I was saying, I don't know, some complicated story. Like if you were going down the road and this took this long and that wrong and, you know, you did one of those, this is exactly that. If you were in a room and you held a gun high and someone else got shot, how many bananas did you eat? Exactly that equation. <laughs> and the answer is Zero. guilty. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> and not only that, the police obviously had numerous opportunities to prove that he was not guilty. How does that serve their cause? Exactly. Exactly. Well, do you, do you, uh, just, I know you're going to talk at length soon, but... Well, I'm sure you are. There is this pressure on the police in America to have this clearance rate, which is what I'm assuming is because I think you said earlier that they have a very high clearance rate. By clearance rate, yeah. Conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even conviction, just uh, finding finding perpetrators and uh, charging uh, perpetrators, solving crimes Hmm. is the clearance rate. And there's a lot of pressure in KPIs around American policing for that. Still the same in in Australia as well. Yeah. Massive pressure for them to, to solve crime, regardless of whether they actually find the right culprit. perpetrator or not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Better to solve a crime with the wrong perpetrator than to have it go unsolved. So. Mm. And I think in in many circumstances, particularly with high, high profile matters, um, the media puts them under enormous pressure. And um, what they do is they uh, have a view of of who did it, and then instead of investigating properly, it's often the situation that they obtain evidence from their perspective that proves what their theory was is correct. They build the case around the the evidence they have. Preferred victim rather than... They find evidence... That supports their... That supports their version. And and we touched on that. Remember we were talking about the DNA of Mm. Ancestry.com, about Mm. how it's... If you're trying to prosecute someone, that would be really handy. But also, if you're trying to build evidence around a case for someone who is just the easy target, I guess, that's um, that can be quite problematic. So, yeah, interesting. Anyway, jurors didn't know the prosecutor had selectively grabbed quotes from different songs, juxtaposing lyrics in a way Phipps never intended. Can I interrupt just for mm-hmm. a sec? Yeah. Why didn't they? Why yeah, didn't his shocking. lawyers... Yes. Um, uh, either object to that evidence or, yeah. or tell the jury that that was the situation. That is an enormous part of their job. Yes, and and possibly it, it feels like this was the the wrong victim. Or sorry, the wrong the wrong suspect in a town that almost wanted to find him guilty. 
and and I don't know that that's true, but it, it's there's just something very not right about it. Phipps maintains he was rapping about his veteran uh, Vietnam veteran father in shell shocked with the line, "Big Mac, that's my daddy, rotten, dirty, straight up soldier. You fuck with me, he'll give you a bullet to your brain." So that was his lyric, not that one. Phipps never said, as the prosecutor told the jury. You fuck with me, you get a bullet in your brain. And the line, murder, murder, kill, kill, is from a different song. So I just thought we could take a little side bar. That's what we're using. Have you got the song? Uh-huh. You do? Um, I'm going to play you a little bit of it because I just want you to imagine that you're in a, a court, you're on the jury, and someone's telling you that the the person who is guilty is a rapper the accused well said thanks regina his songs prove that he's guilty and therefore let's listen to this and i want you to tell me afterwards if it uh if you if you see guilty as you listen to this fine happy to go through this process but you're writing a song at some point in your past does not prove you're guilty of a crime in the present this is just nonsensical so go forth and show me or allow my ears to experience this. I know you say that, but I feel like some of the jurors probably did listen to the lyrics and go, yeah, he's guilty. It's theatrical. Hence, let's And that's do this. why they used it. Yeah. Correct. I'm sure that's what it Talking about the use of the word midget earlier, he please don't say it. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. He's allowed to. Yeah, he's allowed. He's just saying. He can. We're not allowed to. Well, I think you can either use it or you can't. I wish you'd stop calling me that. (laughs) I'll call you a see you in the NT. (laughs) Oh, language is so confusing. It is, and particularly when we have cancel culture. So words that used to be words are no longer, but. I, but I find... it is like the C word. It's a, it's about a um, taking back. Years and years and years ago, I watched the vagina monologues. 
Yes. And there's a whole monologue about the C word. Yes. And the whole point about it is to say it describes a wonderful thing and it's our word yeah, yeah. and we shouldn't let it be used as an insult. Yep. So we should take it back and we should use it all the time. We have all of that in the gay world too, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. As an anecdote, I turned to my boss who was a... Absolutely delightful, oh. absolutely delightful middle-class English lady. This was in Bath, where I was watching in this. Bath. In Bath, that's how they say it in Bath. In Bath, that's how I always said it. Um, and I was surrounded by lovely middle-class people who were all very proper. And I said, all right, you pack of c- I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and in context, that was fine. You've just dropped the first C bomb. I did because the whole point of the context was taking back a word that is... Describing, as my father used to say, you're describing something wonderful. It's not an insult. It's a lovely thing. Didn't you find Zong to be quite upbeat, though? Uh, I did find it upbeat. I, I struggled to understand the lyrics, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. agreed. And But I, I, th- I thought a lot of it may have been to do with, and again, I couldn't really make it out. It's, it's rap. It's too fast. I need to yes. be able to read it. But I'm a bit old. Was it about him well, being the son of a Vietnam vet, I think? Carl, I, I would have thought if any of us was good at rapping, it would be you after your I oh. like big butts. <laughs> She's uh, a great rapper. I'll take that as a Tea cakes, hun. Remember? <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yes. Um, but did you get the feeling that that song wasn't, it didn't feel sinister? No, I agree. In its tone? I know if you know if you want to use it again, so and, if you, and to be honest, if I'd read the lyrics without hearing the way it sounded, it sounded kind of, you know, Upbeat for the one of a better word. It didn't sound threatening. No, not at all. Not at all. It didn't but sound the lyrics like it were do. pretty um, dark. Dark. Yeah, yeah. But they always yeah. are. Rappers are always saying the absolute worst things. I mean, I don't know why they choose to do that. But well, you know, that's a bit of a stereotype. They're, they're hard. I don't know. Anyway, so that was the part of one of the songs that was sampled. Yes. Was it when they used them? Yeah, yeah. correct. Okay. Yeah. So also at the trial, uh, the prosecution laid out all the guns they found at Mac's house in front of the jury without mentioning that they belonged to his father. Uh, Can I interrupt? Could you? How is that relevant? Were they saying that any of those guns were the murder weapon or were used for the purposes of of shooting? I'm assuming it's character assassination to say Mac has all of these weapons because he's the camouflage assassin. But not even any of those weapons were his, they were his dad's. completely prejudicial and would not be allowed in Australia anyway, or in Victoria, perhaps I should. Yeah. Make it a little more local. Yeah. So the prosecution also cast doubt on William's confession. So remember uh, William's confessed to it, portraying him as a loyal member of the entourage who was willing to take the prison sentence for the bigger rap Ah. star. They also used the fact that Williams recalled being six to ten feet away from Victor when he shot him and evidence that the gunshot was fired at close range to dismiss his confession. He was never called as a witness and later pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice because his statement contradicted the coroner's report. In what way? Well, because they said that Mac did it and it was done at close range and he's saying it was done six to ten feet away and therefore he's making stuff up. So was Mac within close range of that guy? There's did... no... Oh, well, we'll get to that. So, yeah, he... Um, Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a good question, though. Mac says, the DA did a damn good job but very devious. 
he had me on trial and even though I didn't have a criminal history or anything, he managed to convince these jurors that I was a monster. Still, neither Mac nor anyone in his family thought he would get convicted. He hired the best lawyers he could, one of whom, Jason Williams, is the current sorry, is currently the district attorney in New Orleans. So clearly, um, uh, you would assume a good lawyer. Well, he acts for the prosecution now. Which is also a good point. (laughs) (laughs) So witnesses had contradicted each other. There was no forensic evidence tying Mac to the killing. Then the verdict came. Guilty of manslaughter by a 10 to 2 vote. Can I interject for just for a second? Uh, um, there are also different um, characterizations of uh, offences in America. So I don't know exactly what that means. If it was in um, Victoria, Victoria. Um, basically that would mean that you didn't have an intent to kill or cause grievous bodily harm, ser- really serious injury, um, and uh it means that he he obviously gets a much lesser sentence than he would if he was convicted. In Victoria, what sort of sentence would you get for manslaughter? Is there a range that... Yeah, they have sentences have increased um, uh, quite considerably over the last few years, but um, for a, a murder... Sorry, a, a, yeah, a murder conviction, you're looking at um, minimums of... Uh, 20 to 22 years. Um, So that's the minimum sentence of imprisonment that you would have to serve before being eligible for parole. Um, For a a manslaughter, um, anywhere between maybe 10 years and 15 years as a non-parole period. Yeah, right, okay. Um, So importantly, though, the the guilty verdict came from a 10 to 2 vote. So it wasn't unanimous. In, in Victoria, um, uh, for murder matters, you have to have a unanimous verdict. So yes. you can't have a majority. So this is um, Louisiana at the time was one of two states to allow non-unanimous verdicts in criminal trials. Uh, and the Supreme, Supreme Court has since declared that unconstitutional. So that happened in 2020. I'll tell you later a little bit about the history of that um, change in the legislation more so how that came to be because it's quite significant and quite relevant to the case a few weeks later mac was sentenced to 30 years in prison with what do we know whether there was a non-parole period uh no but manslaughter 30 years Mm. Considerably higher than in sentences than in yeah, Australia. Yeah. Uh, the night of his sentencing, he cried himself to sleep. So that was 2001. In 2014, the Metal Justice Project, Louisiana State University and the Lens studied Mac's case and concluded that he may have been wrongfully convicted of the crime. The study found that there was another shooter, several witnesses who doubt that Tillerson, who was one of the eyewitnesses, saw the shooting, several witnesses who said the rapper did not fire any shots, 
and a principal eyewitness who in 2014 signed an affidavit that recanted her testimony that she saw the MC commit the shooting. Uh, also, in 2015, the Huffington Post released an article outlining how five prosecution witnesses were bullied by police and prosecutors into fingering the once promising hip hop artist as the gunman. That's as in, very as in pointing the finger at him <laughs> as opposed to actually digital fingering him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it highlighted inconsistencies in depositions and witness accounts that could have helped Mac, but they were, they were never shared with the defence. So he, sent, he went 21 years in prison without a single write-up or reprimand. Oh. He said, they made me look like a monster in that courtroom and I told myself I couldn't convince those 12 people I was innocent, so I'd convince 12 million people I'm innocent by my actions. He took to mentoring young men with the same passion he had for music, running classes to help young men cope with anger, depression and other emotional trauma. Mac was also part of Elaine Hunt's musical crew, so that was the prison he was at, uh, performing cover songs, remixing his old hits and occasionally making music of his own. Mac went into prison as a rapper and came out as a more complete musician. When the piano player was transferred to another prison, he learned to play the piano. When the bass player also got moved, Mac picked up that instrument as well. It's quite hard to play both at the same time, though, I've got to say. Mm. Agreed. <laughs> one day in 2012 administrators at hunt invited mac to perform for the other men in the facility it wasn't anything unusual but this time the show opened with an announcement someone was going to get a lifetime achievement award for his service work while incarcerated the speaker started this man has been mentoring young men performing for us when we needed a pickup and Max listening to it thinking, this dude's done a lot. <laughs> then he finally said, and he's a former No Limit recording artist. And Max says, and I'm just sitting there with my mouth wide open and everyone looking at me. It's the greatest award I've ever received. So well, one of the things um, that I've noticed through this story is just how incredible uh, Max's reaction to all of this is. But also, when we watched that show on Foxtel ID that I can't recall the name of, um, <laughs> his parents were incredible. Like they, you know, they're not, they don't have this real sense of hatred or um, anger. They, they're super upset so by it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. They're super upset by it. They absolutely see the injustice, but they. Um, mm -hmm hold themselves in, in really good stead. Right, so as I said earlier, um, the 2014 Medal Project report and the 2015 Huffington Post articles revived the family's hopes that Mac would be exonerated. But Warren Montgomery, who was the district attorney at the time, told the Huffington Post in 2016 that there was nothing new for him to look into. It became another in a long list of false starts. The ignored, the ignored calls for retrials the attempts to have the verdict overturned and the clemency attempt that was rejected in 2016. In 2020, the Louder Than a Riot podcast dedicated three episodes to Mac, the trial and his fight for freedom. Once again, bringing his story to the national stage. Still, Mac and his family persisted, sending in another appeal for clemency. And in April 2021, Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards granted Mac clemency. 
Oh, thank God. In June 2021, he was released on parole. Oh. What's the definition of clemency? So it, it, this is what I wanted to ask you, Reg. I don't know if you have any experience with this, but he was granted clemency in April and he was released on parole in June. Is that normal time frame? Do we have clemency here? I don't no. understand what clemency, oh, yeah. Could you explain um, what that is? Not in the way that uh, America does. What, what we have is a, a parole system. So... Um, you have a head sentence and a minimum sentence, and once you've done your minimum sentence, you can be paroled um, at any time after that and before you do your entire head sentence. Um, what they take into consideration are, are all sorts of things like whether you've got somewhere to stay, what you've done um, during um, your prison years, um, what courses you've done, how you've helped people, um, uh, and whether they think that there's a likelihood that if you're released in the circumstances in which your application um, shows them, whether you're going to reoffend or not. That's completely different to uh, the American system. The American yeah. system. And, and the other thing that I was viciously trying to take notes about whilst you were talking, Clarky, was that um, in Australia there's a separation of powers between the judiciary and um, politicians in America, that is not the situation. Yeah, right. yeah. And so, um, when when you were saying that uh, Warren Clemency. Montgomery, who was the DA, oh, sorry, was yeah. saying there's nothing to look at, um, uh, he's doing that because he wants to be re-elected as a um, as a as a DA. Because the DA is a political position. Absolutely. As well is as that, a legal position. Is mm. it just because of that or is it because that if there's no additional evidence that hasn't already been looked at, isn't there not, not a double jeopardy thing, but you can't do a retrial in America unless you have significantly different evidence for them to actually open a new trial? Is that well, all right? Yes, understand I, I that understand case. that that's right too. Yeah. We don't have enough knowledge about that. This doesn't show whether he actually appealed and why his appeals. I mean, that's yeah, just yeah. a legal thing from yeah, my no, point no, of view. Yeah, no, I um, agree. I um, But so if you, get, if you get granted parole in Australia, how long would it be before you come out? So it depends on how long it takes for um, corrections to undertake their um, investigations in relation to whether you have proper things in place to allow you to to have supports when you're when you're released but I've recently had a matter where somebody um, should be um, deported immediately and go back to the country that he came from. Novak um, Djokovic? <laughs> <laughs> well he has been deported. Yes. Yes. Good job, yes. good job. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's, sit, he's now sitting in prison. He was sentenced in... That in, would be good too. Sorry, anyway, keep going. I'm still on job. My client is, uh, was sentenced to a term of imprisonment which he had already done. That What the judge was wanting to do was to have him released and deported immediately, but that is now taking four months, so he's going to spend another four months in custody before the wheels of justice. Right. So there are, there, are, there are circumstances as to why someone who gets clemency or should be released or should be deported or whatever, may spend more time in uh, custody. Often. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to point out here is that 
Um, clemency is not the same as exoneration. So whilst uh, Mac was granted clemency, he's not exonerated. Clemency grant recognises a person's effort in self-development. It doesn't clear him of the crime. So he's also got parole conditions. He has a 9pm to 6am curfew, can't attend venues that serve alcohol and must complete six hours of community service a month. And he has he'll a criminal also, record forever. He'll yeah. also probably be seeing yeah. a parole officer for the best part of the next decade. And so whilst the punishment for the crime is lowered, he's still technically guilty. Yeah. So without a legal exoneration, uh, he will always be the man convicted of killing Baron Victor Jr. So that, I guess, brings us to a point where we should unpick some of the inconsistencies in the trial. And Regina, I've got um, a number that I've already identified. I'd like to go through them one by one, if that's okay, and get your thoughts on that as well. Sure. So the first one is just around uh, St Tammany Parish. So um, St Tammany Parish, uh, according to what I read, is, or at least was, pretty much an all-white, older, conservative demographic, not really rap fans and certainly not a representative group of peers. What does that mean to you? Well, the whole trial system is supposed to be a, a case of you being judged by your peers as much as the jury selection process will allow. In America, it is a far more complicated procedure than it is here, um, and they're allowed to ask questions of potential jurors in relation to their prejudices before making a determination as to whether those people can be placed on the jury or not. In Victoria, we used to have, we as in defence lawyers, used to have uh, um, (laughs) an ability to have some input in relation to jury selection. That's been changed recently. So now we only have the ability to to challenge three jurors without cause. That means for whatever reason, if you don't like them or they they, um, look at the accused in a wrong way. If they're the wrong colour. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like the resting bitch face would be a good reason to keep someone out of a jury. If they do yeah. a comedy crime podcast and they're not going to take anything seriously, perhaps? Uh, yes. No, because anyone who, who has done something like this will have a, a good analytical ability, which is oh, really God. what you need. We were hoping we'd get out of jury duty <laughs> no, doing this. Oh, I don't so think so. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> that was my grand plan all along. On the other hand, I don't get to be able to be on a jury at all, which is very frustrating. I'd love to be on a jury. Isn't that ironic? Mm. All right, Isn't so... it ironic? Don't you think? Don't you think? Alanis. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, importantly, I guess, who's on the jury can very easily sway the outcome of the case. Absolutely. Yeah. So the other one is uh, the confession of Thomas Williams. Mm. It's... It's all very interesting tactics by the DA and and I don't know what was included in, in, in terms of where the his defence lawyers attacked or didn't attack it. Here, if the prosecution has evidence um, and they determine that they're not going to call that evidence because they don't believe that that person is a witness of truth, they can still provide details to the defence practitioners for the purposes of them calling the witness. Mm-hmm. Again, that might have been something tactically done or forensic, a forensic decision made by the defence attorney not to call that person to give evidence. 
I can't tell. Why would you not cause... I'll tell you. Why would you not call someone who's confessed to the crime? Because if if the prosecution have done a big enough hatchet job on that witness... On their character... Yes, and, and whether their evidence is, is going to be seen to be truthful by the by the jury, it may have been a forensic decision that they were not going to get any benefit out of doing that. Yeah, right. At this point, Regina, I'd like to ask you a very serious question because Carla and I both have a marketing background and, and it feels like there needs to be a rebranding going on here because it's certainly not a justice system. So what should we rename it to? Because justice doesn't seem to be any part of any of this. No, I agree with that. Mm. So just thought, food for thought. As, as you continue with uh, Paul talking to you, I'd like to well, let's rebrand it at the end. Let's let's give it another name as a system. Mm. Well, what we could do is perhaps make the um, the system even better and just have the police make the decision as to who they think is guilty or not, and then just send people to prison. Why well, clearly not, police? because the police put us in this position in the first well, place I'm by not facetious. doing their job. No, I realise that <laughs> the whole system. I'm talking about the whole system, beginning to end. I'm not picking on. just the legal component of it but the whole thing as you just said you you know you used forensic you know you you used language which is around how how manipulative in terms of the case is and how much manipulation goes on to win one way or the other it's not about the truth it's never about the truth yeah and that's where i'm coming from with the rebranding so let's not call it justice Mm. because if if you think justice and truth and liberty and all those things are Justice. What we're trying to get to, clearly that's not what we're getting to. So what are we getting to? Clearance rate system. <laughs> Stick them all in jail system. It's very, it's not very catchy, Carla. Come on, work with me here. No, we need to think about the names of that. <laughs> but what you've got to remember is that I come from one perspective of that mm. of that system and, and my view is always skewed because of my experience in relation to awful things that have happened or tried Absolutely, absolutely, which is why your experience is so valuable because, you know, we can make any third-party judgment on a situation. Happy to. (laughs) And often do. (laughs) Anyway, sometimes with comedic, sometimes with not comedic outcomes. But I think someone within the system itself, because if you go, uh, I've run in it today, but if you go back to when you first went into the legal system, what were you thinking at the time? My, my niece is just undertaking a law degree right now, right? And and the first thing that she was told by one of her lecturers is there's no justice in it. Yeah. And she, she was like, what? So what? You know, because she thought she was going into, this is not, this Best is difference. one of the others, because they're all a bit bright. She thought she was making a difference. She was, thought she was standing up for But she the is. No, she yeah, is you. making so, a so difference. Can you talk to, because I'm losing all my faith right now, not in God. In humanity, could you talk to me about that, please? Okay, so so uh, if if you go into into this system and you have the right m- mindset and you're not lazy um, and you're not easily manipulated and you work hard, you will always make a difference. And that's from either perspective, either from the defence perspective or the well, prosecution's yeah. perspective. And that's the other thing that I, I want to say as well. I'm biased, and I always will be. But I also understand where the prosecution's perspective comes from and how frustrated they may get in circumstances mm. where they think There's they have a watertight case um, against somebody who they think should go to jail and um, some smart defence practitioner 
manages comes up with something that they can account for or, yeah. or sway. It's also a learning yeah. process though, because you learn by those mistakes about how to properly prosecute or how to properly defend. defend yeah. When you have passionate people uh, doing it from both perspectives, then it's a good mix. It it is yeah. a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Paul. No, no, good chat. <laughs> so the next piece uh, of evidence that I think is important to discuss is uh, when the police searched the house, they only found Max's gun. Yeah. Um, it was fully loaded and not been discharged. Also, they also found other weapons there. Uh, none of them were the murder weapon. I can't believe that that the prosecution proceeded on a basis where they said, oh, uh, we don't know what the murder weapon was. Um, it doesn't make sense because he's there. He he is seen allegedly. Well, I suppose there was some evidence of him being seen holding a gun. And he admitted to that too later. And so, what was the what was the prosecution position? They they had to run it in a certain way in terms of what they said he did. Yeah, yeah. And to just say, oh. Uh, to do things like provide evidence to the jury that the house was full of guns, but not but not use any of those guns as as the exact the murder weapon because if they t- tested them, they would have all probably um, had negative results. Mm. Um, they didn't test him for DNA uh, for gunshot residue. I don't understand that either. He they picked him up shortly after he left yeah. the. The scene of the yeah 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 he had an opportunity in, to his dad didn't even have time to put his pajama top on it was oh, exactly in two thousand was gunshot residue testing normal absolutely yeah cool sorry I was just laughing at the PJ top lady who's still going on about it <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a very important point you make. I'm going to talk about the jury verdict not being unanimous but I think before we do can we have a little break. And maybe a yeah, but top I, up. I still yeah yeah. But before we do, sorry, I I still don't understand why he wasn't charged with murder. Why he was charged with manslaughter? He, he was charged with murder, but he was convicted of manslaughter. Isn't yeah, that but, the situation? But why did it change? Did he take a plea deal? Or? No, because manslaughter is an alternative verdict is to it a murder. Because it was two to ten that he got manslaughter. Well, it jury... could have been. Right. Is this where you're coming from? Is it is it uh, yeah. something that? was a decision by the jury to come some, to some sort of compromise, quite possibly, or was that not where you were coming no, from? No, no, it is, because yeah. I, yeah. I didn't understand why we ended up with manslaughter. And so I don't know if this is the – what we're saying is that maybe he gets charged with murder and then the jury gets to decide. There are – particularly in America, and I'm not sure of exactly what all the categories are, but, you know, there's – at least four or five different offences that you can be charged with if you've killed somebody and you're found mm. guilty of mm. killing someone here in Australia or in Victoria. It's just it's basically murder, murder, manslaughter, and sometimes intentionally causing serious injury. So you can get charged with murder. Yep. And get found not guilty of murder. and But guilty of manslaughter. But get, yeah, right. Mm. So the, the Sorry, prosecution... Sorry, here in, in Victoria or... Yeah. Yes. So the prosecution don't have to decide the appropriate charge. They can choose the maximum. They always and it would gets proceed from there. Mm. 
Yeah, so... So they don't have to review their own evidence to say, we actually think that this sits at manslaughter. They can just go... No, sometimes they can do that. Sometimes... But they don't have to. No. The prosecution chooses what they're going to what they're going to proceed on. So if they think that they have enough evidence to support a conviction for murder, then that will be the the head count on the indictment, which is the the charges that the that the jury receives. There is always discussion between defence and prosecution and the judge as to whether alternatives can be left to the jury to allow them to consider. Mm. So that's where manslaughter comes in. There used to, yeah, there used to be others, but they yeah, got right. away with it. I had in my head that you, or that the prosecution had to choose between murder and manslaughter um, based on their own evidence, but that's not necessarily true. Well, they, they can. They, they can, but they don't have to. No. So it, they, if they think that they can um, get a conviction for murder, then they'll always proceed on that but there's no risk they'll lose the manslaughter alternative That's no there is the table. there is yes. people can't prove that there's enough evidence of anything mm. no but what i'm saying is that if they're sitting there going we're going to go to court and we're not sure whether we'll win the murder charge it doesn't take manslaughter off the table no that's right so they don't have to just go in there and go you know what our, our case on murder isn't that strong Therefore, we'll, we'll push ourselves to manslaughter. They can sort of go, it doesn't matter. We'll just go for that. And mm. if that doesn't work, we've got a safety net. Absolutely. We'll get to something else. Cool. Yeah. Now, can I just go back to something you said earlier? You were using words like forensic and tactical and things when you were talking about the manipulation. Well, you weren't putting it in the context of the manipulation of a trial, but I was. Um, I would just like you all to celebrate the manipulation of this conversation so that Clarky had to sit there on his wee like he made me sit on my wee in the last toilet break and I extended the conversation. Anyway. Have I told you lately that I love you? <laughs> all right. A quick wee break and we'll show return. All right. So the next bit I'd like to talk to you about is the jury verdict not being unanimous. So there's uh, an element of the law that... Uh, itself helped to put Mac in jail. For more than a century, Louisiana has had a law on the books that allows a person to be convicted by a jury that cannot come to a unanimous decision. The law dates back to the aftermath of Reconstruction when new laws allowed black people to vote and serve on juries. During Louisiana's Constitutional Convention of 1898, new laws were passed that stated the purpose of establishing the supremacy of the white race. Cool. Um, along with Christ. poll tax. So far. Yeah, I know, right? But poll tax, What yeah. could possibly go wrong? Yeah. What was it you, you just said, 18? 1898. Okay. Along with a poll tax and a literary test for voting, because you, you can't vote unless you're not literate, a constitutional provision allowed a jury to convict even if up to three out of 12 jurors voted not guilty. Why, I hear you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Why? 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 <laughs> Tell us more. Tell us more. Mac's current attorney, Stanton Jones, says that particular provision was deliberately designed to eliminate the influence and power of black jurors. Based on a sort of understanding that the racial demographics in the jury pool in Louisiana, at the time it was fairly predictable that there wouldn't be more than two black jurors on a jury of 12 people. 
So you could just convince the 10 white jurors. So when I say that this is grounded in white supremacy, those aren't my words. Those are the words of the people who wrote the Louisiana law. That's what Stanton Jones says. So you can just see it, right? There's possibly up to two black people on the jury. So let's have a law that says that you don't need to have a unanimous verdict. In fact, let's just make it nine out of 12 so that we can just discount their views. Fucking disgusting. Yeah, but in the UK, a a similar period of time, the Licensing Act of 1872 said that it's illegal to operate a cow or steam engine whilst intoxicated. So I guess my point is there are lots of very old dumb laws that should be repealed and changed and not allowed to continue in our modern context. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay to say that you can't operate a cow while drunk, but it doesn't mean that someone is going to get convicted of a murder that they didn't do. That, that's no, the no, important no, no. bit. Right? No, I think the difference here is this is a law that's completely instigated to make sure that people have a little bit of right but no actual rights. But yeah, perceived right. Correct. But, but what, what, what that law did is meant that um, Mac was allowed to be convicted of murder on yeah. a 10 to 2 vote. Yeah, so no, I understand. the impact of that law is massive and I hate to think how often in that 100 years or more, 120 more people have years. been a victim of that crime. Of yeah, that yeah. crime, I, I said crime by accident, but actually, a victim crime. of that law, crime, and therefore crime. <laughs> Correct. Can I just add something um, in terms of what the situation is in Australia? There are, uh, there is the possibility of um, verdicts that are not unanimous in relation to offences other than murder. Here, so. In, in fact, if um, jurors are unable to reach a verdict um, after a certain period of time, then unanimous, sorry, then majority verdicts are also um, able to be returned um, for offences of everything other than murder, basically. So you could get charged with murder no. and convicted of not manslaughter. Else. No, because no, no. that because you're still making a determination. Oh yes. Could I be convicted of operating a cow whilst, whilst drunk. intoxicated? A hundred percent that could be and a majority. It doesn't verdict. have to be a mor- it has to be a majority verdict. Or? Majority, not oh, unanimous. Oh yeah, not unanimous, right. Yes. Well, you could be convicted so of operating example. a lot of things whilst drunk. And a ten to ten to uh, vote this oh, I feel like you'd get a unanimous decision on that. I may well, but I just hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but but so you could get charged with murder, and then downgraded to manslaughter because the verdict is not unanimous. Is that? Mm, I'd need to double check the legislation. Gut feel, but I think that's correct. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with gut feel instead of actual fact. It's okay. trial by wine. We don't need fact. Okay. Um, but also, thank you to the people of Louisiana because uh, that law stayed on the books until 2018 when voters made unanimous convictions the rule. And earlier this year, being 2021, not 2022, the Supreme Court ruled that non-unanimous convictions like Max violate the Sixth Amendment of the US Constitution. Importantly that wasn't retrospective. Yeah. So Matt can't be cleared. That is outrageous. Um, 
So then the other bit I want to talk about is just the misquoted lyrics. So we spoke about that whole use of, of chopping and, and cutting the two songs lyrics together to make um, some piece of kill, evidence. Kill. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, sorry, was that a different tune? No, I can't remember the tune. It was so upbeat. Murder, 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 kill, murder, kill, kill. kill. Sorry, I'm just logging I in. I was there. thinking about Miss Lerner, her, Miss, Miss Lerner, a bit drunk, misheard lyrics as a crime itself. Because when I was at school and Suicide Blonde came out, the girl, one of the girls at school thought it was Super Salad Roll. Oh. You want to make a <laughs> super salad roll. roll. That's right. <laughs> Love devastation. And super you know, salad and roll. She had known, yeah, and she had known that that was, could have been the basis of a, you know, a, tw- a 30 year conviction. She might have rethought those lyrics. Do you remember when Taylor Dane brought out um, I Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Baby? Vaguely. My darling, I. Can't get enough of your love, oh, baby. baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, a friend of mine thought that she sung I Can't Get It Up the Elevator. <laughs> <laughs> My darling, I can't get it up the elevator. Okay, last one. But um, oh, what was the name? I try to say goodbye. Good, other singing duck, sure. Macy Gray. Macy yeah. Gray, thank you. When she says... How did you get that that quickly? Well done. Oh, it's oh, it, You know, he might not know anything about popular culture, but when it comes to song lyrics and tunes, he's excellent. Very um, you know, when she says, uh, my world crumbles when you are yeah, not, not near. I, I myself spent many a time trying to work out what it was, and I came to the con- conclusion of, I walk on bolts because you're not near. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> I, I walk. You know, listen it. Listen to it. Listen it. Listen to it. I walk on bolts because you're not there. I can hear it, and it doesn't sound like that. It does. Um, right. Okay, one more though. So, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember Kylie Minogue's "Better the Devil You Know" mm-hmm. song? Yeah. So um, when that was out in the what, 1990 or whatever, uh, driving along in my car, and one of my mates is in the back singing, um, "Better than Danny Minogue." <laughs> Better than Danny Minogue. <laughs> I'm like, what are you singing? He goes, better than Danny Minogue. I'm like, do you seriously think she's released a song saying I'm better than my sister? And it's the name of the song. And correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Danny. Oh, and anyway. She is better, yeah. She was. So anyway, um, using hip-hop lyrics against rappers in court is increasingly common, according to Eric Nielsen, an assistant professor at the University of Richmond, uh, who has served as an expert witness in these kinds of trials. Well, that should be disallowed. So there's been a number of high-profile performers I think so, yeah. where it's happened. Well, I don't happened. know if I agree with that. Well, hang yeah, on. If I there think, was a case between Danny Minogue and, uh, oh. you know, Kylie um, Minogue around yeah. defamation... Because Danny didn't like the song better than Danny Minogue, you know. Sorry, I don't just don't think that should be allowed. Oh no, I think. But surely, if it was something else that you created or you'd done, and you were singing about killing somebody or doing something, I'm not saying it's the only evidence, but surely. But those songs, those sorry, but the songs that were were used in that trial were written and produced before this guy got killed. That's premeditation. That's the point. I was going to a bar and I was going to no, shoot a guy like, yeah, and, I, and my alibi was, was 
lullaby would be I was holding it up and my dad didn't no, put his pyjama top on. Like, piss off. No, but I think they're just anyway. doing it as sort of more of a reference as to this is your lifestyle, this is the culture. With yeah. And that is so the danger it of it. Gang culture. If you don't have well, any culture. It's not, it's not incorrect, though. You, you play in the sandpit, though, I think. Bridget's so so I'm going to give you an analogy of this, Carla, because I agree with you. Um, at the tennis this week, uh, there was a thing where Nick Kyrgios was playing Daniel Medvedev and there ended up being quite a, I don't know, a nasty reaction from the crowd. And they were talking on the ABC about Nick's role in that. So what, once it happened, right. Nick told the crowd off more or less and said, don't do that. But before it happened, he was whipping the crowd up and getting them to um, react in a certain way. And what they were saying is if you if you do that and if you do something that kind of leads to an outcome, can you then disassociate yourself from it when it goes too far? It's like inciting violence. It's well, that. It's that kind of. But yeah. it's it's like inciting people to. It's, it's a, a whole Donald Trump thing, right? When he um, yeah. basically created a situation whereby and people felt they had to storm pitch. the White so, House. So, if we want to talk about you know complete inappropriate uh, racial, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, you know, like. How different it is. Donald Trump can effectively tell people to storm the Capitol and then say, oh, no, I didn't, and take a whole shaggy on it. This guy has some lyrics earlier not actually saying storm the Capitol and then gets 21 years because he's black. No, no, but but what we're talking about is do the lyrics that he sings potentially form part of his beliefs? Now, now, does it make him guilty? 100% not. No, agree. But is it okay to use that as part of uh, presenting his character? And, and I think it's okay. Is it? I think it's what okay. What about every uh, gothic or, or Satanist metal type uh, musician who talks about, <laughs> I don't know what they say because you can't understand a word of it, but, you know, all of that... All that um, death metal stuff. Death metal stuff. It, it forms part of your character, right? Does and, it? And so I think so. Does it really? Yeah, I think I do. it does. Yeah, yeah. It's not saying that you're... Um, I'm not oh, saying I'm that that's the only thing. I think, it's, I think you're talking bullshit, the pair of you. I'm sorry I'm calling Regina's it. on um, Schmitty's side, side Thank God, listeners. for once someone's on my side. Sorry, but, Swanee. No, this is bullshit. And that's besides right. which, legally, I don't believe you can bring this stuff into... Into bear on this case. I, 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 if even don't, from from the little I understand, the American not system. talking about this case. No, it's excuse me, we are. Um, sorry, when no, you think about no, we no, no, we were. We were talking about whether or not no. his rap lyrics were no, pertinent to whether or not. That. That's not what he said. He was saying recently there had been um, a movement to to look at lyrics that were built. Is that right, Clarky? Didn't you say that? Not uh, specific to this case. What did you it's, say? It's becoming increasingly common. So, so yes, more and more people are doing that. So it was used in this case, and it's also happening more and more. So I was talking about generic terms, and I'm okay with that. I wasn't specifically talking about this case. In this case, I can see how what they've done has been to misconstrue that. But I don't think, in the context of creating, you know, a picture around this is what you do. You you can't ignore the fact that you're a rapper. Yeah, yeah. And you're called whatever you're called the camouflage the assassin. The camouflage assassin. You know, in every other 
otherwise you would be a detective detective because you're not actually looking at everything that's in front of you and yeah. he's putting that out there that's what he's saying he is i'm i'm just saying that surely if the evidence is then stacked up that it it, it proves that he's innocent well that's fine it's irrelevant but you've you've still got to paint that picture of who this person is haven't you yeah i, I think if, if you're a prosecution a prosecutor you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't bring up some of yeah, the things about someone's past that could link to it does it mean that you should it's relevant that to put two songs together to paint that's a totally wrong. so that's and so so that's wrong yeah. so the next part of what i was going to say is exactly that right so how is um, it sorry just how is it in the american system that if i have been charged with something or other for a previous case that can't be brought up that can't be brought to bear with what i'm being charged for now so this is bullshit. I'm he hasn't sorry. been charged with anything, though, before Oh, this. no, you're Ever. missing my point. You're entirely missing my point. I'm saying that if I committed a crime um, three years ago and and went through the proceeding of that crime and now I'm being indicted for something else, that crime is not allowed to be brought into bear for the jury to then judge me based on previous things. Yeah. And yet my lyrics of a fucking song can be yeah. nonsense. No, no that, that's what I'm calling bullshit on this. The whole no, no, system I'm... is about character assassination. Well, no, but they're just, they're... okay, that may be what the system appears to be about. That is not what the system should be about. And maybe we're arguing it. So when you get a witness who comes on who is a druggie, a prostitute, any, anything that is deemed to be something that might affect their credibility, 100% they will bring that up, won't they? But Credibility and reliability are are very important issues in in relation to attacking a witness. But he's not a witness. Correct. He's an accused. But he's Correct. saying he he's didn't not, do it. He's not an. He is an he accused. He didn't even get pulled on the stand. He was never a witness to your own testimony, sir. Where's that guy? Did I say that he wasn't? Yeah, you did. I don't think I did say that. Yeah, you said he wasn't brought up. You Regina gave I'd the face and everything. Thomas Williams, who oh, okay, was the one who confessed. I've had a lot to drink. He Sorry. didn't give evidence though. I don't know. I'm sure he wouldn't. <laughs> no, I don't Sorry. know whether he did or he didn't. But I definitely I didn't say that he didn't give evidence. I thought you did say. He can did I evidence. can I bring yeah, up a please, point in in, in relation to that? Um, if an accused does give evidence, their um, prior convictions in Victoria cannot be used against them unless they put their own character in issue. So if, for example, he had given evidence in Victoria that uh, I'm not a violent person, I'm not the sort of person who right. would um, commit this type of crime. Except, of course, you killed your mother and you slaughtered a cat. So exactly. Then, then the prosecution could leave evidence of that. This is just lyrics of a song. This is I not agree wholeheartedly with you. The reality <laughs> is that just because you... you release a song doesn't mean that you're talking about yourself in the first person. Correct. You could be talking about your friend or your Correct. or your brother or your But or, I've been a and, and, and isn't that then up to the defense? <laughs> but who are we arguing with each that. other? Yes, we're arguing with each other. I'm, but I'm, I'm not. Of I course am, I don't I'm, think it but why are you arguing with me? Because you think about... that because he wrote a couple of songs prior to no, this. No, I don't. That's, that's what, what you said you ten think. minutes ago. No, it's yeah. not what I said and when you listen back it's not the, the point was, in other situations, not in this particular case, that they are looking at things that create, you know, the, the, the big picture of who you are and what you do and, you know, culturally what, you know, who you're associated with, what you, you know, believe in, what are you prepared to say, what do you, you know, 
what are you prepared to you know put out there about yourself and as a rapper that's what you're prepared to say that's all I'm saying is that yes that paints a picture I'm not saying that this guy said that his song was a premeditation but I've never said that no no ever. that's right Swanee we're not having a go at you we're having no, a go at Clark no no hang on Clark is saying that no I'm not saying uh, at all that him singing that means that he would do it what I'm saying is that that forms part of his You're, character. I, I thought both of you were saying that the fact that he had recorded these songs no. speaks to his character and therefore is admissible. No. Well, no, what, no. I, what I think I is think that the fact that he sings those songs means that the prosecution should be trying to bring that up Why? if they're Why? trying that's to discredit his character. But that's what you're saying. You're saying that then that that can be used it against him. It speaks to his him. character. Andrew Lloyd Webber writes about the fucking Phantom of the Opera. And and most people should then be able to go, uh, that's not that's assault. relevant. That's right. but, but but why should it be placed before be... a jury if it's not relevant? Right. It's it's not the jury's determination as to whether evidence is relevant or not. That's that's what isn't needs... it? No. No, those issues that's surely their job. No, it's their, not their job. Their to job is to assess evidence which is relevant to the case that they're trying to and, try. And, also and that evidence whether, is not relevant to the issue. But also then to determine which evidence isn't relevant. No. What no, I've learned here is have an expert no. in the room and, boy, they are things, only, boy, do things heat up. <laughs> <laughs> they are only entitled to use evidence which is relevant. relevant it is their, because, and I don't their decision as to whether they accept written that. Written at any period of time prior, whether he's talking about dogs... Wine, killing someone, whatever he's talking about, that is, you know, an artistic expression that is not relevant to the case at hand is the point I'm making. In, in the interest of progressing the podcast, <laughs> I think we should move on to the next point. Okay, go ahead. Unless it shows a propensity to do the same thing again. Are you just agreeing with me now? No, I am not. I'm <laughs> just making sure that we this. all understand. It's not, yeah, so if he had already been uh, indicted and found guilty of killing someone 10 years earlier, done some time, come out, written songs about popping someone in the a-hole and then pop someone in the a-hole, yes, that would show a propensity to violent behaviour. This person has not had any violent behaviour to prior this, as you said at the beginning, He's a lovely, lovely guy. Agreed. I don't think that these lyrics have any bearing in the case and shouldn't have been brought up. Part of the issue is, though, because I'm not a real fan. <laughs> Order in the court. Excellent use of the gavel. I'm not a fan of lyrics that talk about that sort of stuff anyway, right? All right, so, there you go. What do you mean? You're, You're just showing your prejudice. Rat. You're showing a prejudice. Of course there's a prejudice. Everyone has a prejudice. Yeah, no, but, the, but, but the, it should have been brought into a court of law. Exactly. To prejudice the jury. Could, it was brought in to prejudice the jury. I could 100% jury. sit in front of a, in a court and listen to someone's lyrics and go, they are not my kind of lyrics. I don't like that. I also have the ability to say that whilst I don't like the lyrics and the songs you sing about, none of this makes you guilty. Paul Kelly. Therefore, it's completely irrelevant Still to the song. determination of the jury, so it shouldn't be before them. Good chat. All right. Because, <laughs> you know why? If you think that flies you up, wait till you hear this bit. All right. <laughs> 
So the next bit is around eyewitnesses and allegations of coercion of witnesses to testify against Phipps. Regina, for those of you who can't see her, is almost in a fetal position. Rocking backwards and forwards in the corner. So there were two eyewitnesses, uh, Nathaniel Tillerson and Yulon James. Jurors heard Nathaniel Tillerson, the victim's cousin, so is related to the victim, testify that he looked Mac dead in his eyes as he shot Baron. That's how vivid his recollection of it was. What prosecutors didn't tell Mac's lawyers, and therefore the jury didn't hear it either, was the testimony from Jerry Price, who placed Tillerson outside the club during the shooting. So that's all about the duty of disclosure by the prosecution. And again, it gets back to what defence lawyers have to do in terms of being absolutely so... See, I've had too much to drink. All right, so let's just use this story. So I had a situation where a client came to see me who had previously been represented by another lawyer and the lawyer had said, listen, you, you have to plead guilty. You've said you've made full admissions in your record of interview. And he said, I haven't. And the lawyer said, listen, you're costing me money, so let's get it over and with and you can plead guilty. He said, no. Then he came to see me and he told me that what had happened and I got a copy of his record of interview, which the police had said he'd made full admissions to this theft of a motor car. And the reality was he had said no comment to every question in that record of interview. Therefore, what the police had put in their little document about what he'd said in his record of interview was completely false. And eventually what happened when we pushed back is that the police withdrew the charge against him. So that is just an indication of how, if you have a lawyer who works hard- Who's passionate. At what they do. Yeah, but this goes back to, sorry, episode, Mediocre manslaughter. Just fucking do your job. Yes, that's right. It's all it comes back to is the people who are just arsey, lazy, not doing their job. Yeah, but also yeah. what one thing that I see out of this is can you then charge the police or the prosecution with false testimony or, you know, like if they're actually saying that and it's not true, no. where's the repercussion for them? Because... I feel like for everyone else, if you say the wrong thing in this process, you get in trouble. What's but if you're if you're the police and you make shit up and you also clearly in this case lie, oh, you're well, immune. Let's ask the prosecution in relation to yeah, that. might be a bigger conversation Who? for another time. Who's that? Anyway, shush, anyway. I'm going to have to edit that out. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's hear more. Moving on. <laughs> Goodness. So again, there were two eyewitnesses, right? <laughs> One of them uh, said he looked Mac dead in his eyes as he shot Baron. Another witness said he was outside the club at the were time. Were both of the called during the trial? I can't tell you. Oh no, sorry, because the prosecutors didn't tell Mac's legal mm. team about mm. the fact that Jerry Price had said that he wasn't even in the club at the time. Okay, so there's lots of case law about that in. Victoria and about the prosecution's duty um, to disclose to defence any material which may assist the defence case. 
the reality is usually a different situation though. If you don't ask all the right questions no and you don't ask them to no provide you with all of the material, then they rely on the lazy lawyer principle, which is that you'll just... But is it that simple to just say, I want all the information? No, it's not. It's not ever that simple. Right. Because you have to know what you call all the information and sometimes the, the information is called different things and if you if you as a defence lawyer don't ask for that specific thing, then what they provide you is the other material. So there's no blanket. You need to tell us everything you know. No, you can't do that. Yeah, wow. The other star witness, so two people were eyewitnesses. One of them uh, was placed outside of the club. The other one who testified she saw Phipps fire the fatal shot, said she was repeatedly threatened by the Paris District Attorney's Office. What was his name? Headed by DA Walter Reed, who left office in January amid a reported federal grand jury investigation into campaign funds and side businesses. So Yulon James said, they stalked my house, they stalked my job, and they stalked my family. She now acknowledges she didn't see anything and testified falsely against Phipps. The DA came over to my parents' house and told me I would have my baby in prison if I didn't testify. She also said that the only reason she was coming forward with this now was because the district attorney, Walter Reed was no longer in that position. So she felt safe to do it now because she was always fearful that he would convict her of something. Okay. So the victim's cousin, Jerry Price, claimed police harassed him and pressed him to say he saw Phipps shoot Victor. The detective asked me if I was going to let that asshole get away with the murder. So Jerry Price was related to uh, the victim. He is also the one who placed Nathaniel Tillerson outside of the club at the time Tillerson said he looked Mac dead in the eyes. He also said, I told the detectives I did not see who shot Baron and the detectives told me that I was being charged with obstruction to first-degree murder and that the charge carried just as much time as the murder itself. Was he actually charged? Uh, I'm not sure if he was, but certainly uh, the uh, Thomas Williams who said he actually did it was. So, yeah, I'm not sure. He was charged for, like, bullshitting. The, 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 similar charge. <laughs> I mean, it's not a legal charge. Yeah. Bullshit. Yes. Uh, that's You're what they accused him of. Do you know how many people PS have been convicted in the you are You, my friend, are a bullshit artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's because his evidence was at odds with, with the prosecution theory. Well, the police also in the first instance, because he went in and um, said, I did, I done it. On that, We're going to charge Regina, you with bullshitting. Is it normal or is it even common that, that this stuff would happen? Because to me... Uh, the threat, be... the threat by police of of charges, if mm. in the event that you um, don't give evidence that accords with their view, is that normal? Well, I wouldn't know because I'm not a police officer. But um... gut feel, your face Oops. says it all. Yeah. Okay. So the Huffington Post identified three other witnesses: a former nightclub owner Dwight Goyot. Uh, Phipps' cousin, Larnell Warren, and club-goer, Jamie Wilson, who said they were threatened, jailed, or flat-out ignored by authorities. The claims, along with James' recantation, appeared to cast doubt on Phipps' conviction. Why were his defence lawyers not told about these people? If they're, if they're all people who are 
supportive of the accused, then you would think that um, yeah, the accused lawyers would be told about that, not by the not by the prosecution, but by people who are attempting to assist the accused with his defence. I think the, the, the story that you just told around the lawyer who um, said you should plead guilty because it's you know, just all too hard. I don't want. I'd actually want to listen to you and try to find out why you might be right. But remember, the, his lawyer was supposed was supposedly a a very good lawyer who subsequently became the district, the district attorney. attorney. And I think at that point you actually said he became prosecutor. That's all I That's said. What the I didn't say anything is. else. Mm. What's that? That is what a district attorney is. That's what I'm saying. So he and, and I think the, the I think you're putting what, words in my mouth. 100, percent I am. <laughs> this is trial by wine, and I'll absolutely do that because yes. it's better if these words come out of my mouth than out of yours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that if he was a defence attorney who then became prosecution, perhaps. His passion and dream was always to be a prosecutor, never to be a defence attorney. Okay. And Can therefore he didn't approach his defence case. It's a with political the... thing in the US. There are... So, there, it's, oh, sorry. Sorry. No. It, so being a district attorney is a powerful position because mm. you're paid by the government. I understand. But what that. I'm saying is, so as, so in the context having... of what I know about Reggie, she... No. She... What no? You're already saying no and I haven't even said it. Fine, go on and say it. I'm going to say no anyway. Go. Well, you may as well tell me why you're going to say no and then we'll see if it's true or not. So what I was going to say is that I think this comes back to the um, defence attorney's conviction around defending guilty people because perhaps they're not they don't have the same passion that I know that you have around testing evidence, around people having to actually prove that people are guilty as opposed to just going, you know what, it, it, the, the, it's, it's Marbo, it's the vibe, maybe we just convict them. Sometimes that's true, but there, and that might have been my view when I first started acting as a defence lawyer, I've subsequently employed people who have worked for the prosecution in in my law firm and I found them to be amazing defence advocates. So it's not always the case that if you're defence orientated, you can't move to the prosecution and if you're prosecution um, orientated, you can't move to defence. If you're talking about me, I've always been a passionate defender of those who are are accused. So. The last piece I want to talk about is Walter Reed. So uh, he was the district attorney. He once presented a St. Slamini Award to a member of his team for being the year's most eager prosecutor. So at one point, uh, he so he, he'd done a lot of dodgy things, but at one point he made an enemy he couldn't shake and couldn't put away. So Terry King was another private citizen and ordered to buy training. King moved to St. Tammany in 2002 when his wife got a job with the coroner who was a friend of Walter Reed. The coroner was not the wife. Uh, In the course of her job, she uncovered ethics violations in that office. And when Laura and Terry King went public, Terry was charged with an obscure law that said you can't talk about ethics complaints. 
Mm. Like, Try it up there with the you can't operate a cow when you're intoxicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and this is this is the thing, right? There's a there's a whole system that is working against yeah. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's awful. And and there's just all these little things that keep coming out. So Terry King felt the heat on him from Reed because obviously he'd spoken out against him and retaliated in the only way he knew how, being an auditor, by investigating Reed for corruption. Go for the cash. He worked with a community organiser named Belinda Parker-Brown to find out what the community could tell him about the ways in which their civil rights had been violated by the DA. And within the stream of stories of being beaten by cops on the side of the road or having possessions stolen by the government, they uncovered hints of a work release program operating out of the parish jail. Go for the cash. Programs like this one are intended to give prisoners a chance to that start earning jail, an honest living before they're officially released. Was that Elaine Page jail? <laughs> Elaine Hunt. Elaine but, Hunt. But, yeah, Elaine Hunt. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry, I've got Elaine, uh, Elaine Page. <laughs> Swanee, your your recall is amazing, <laughs> and I, I feel it's like impressive, um, yeah. oh, you, you catch me out on this every single time. But well done. <laughs> the jail is allowed to take a percentage of the pay to account for overhead, but King and Brown learned that St Tammany's work release program was bringing the jail about three million dollars per year what the by fuck? taking three quarters of what its <gasps> inmates earned. The majority of the money passed from the prisoner's hands to the sheriff's office in cash, leaving inmates no money to pay taxes or child support on the money they were supposedly earning. Meanwhile, Jack Strain and deputies from the sheriff's office were allegedly using the stolen money for family vacations, hunting trips, jewellery and a new truck. So whilst under, convic- uh, sorry, whilst under investigation in 2014... Reid declined to run for office. In 2017, he was convicted on 18 counts of various <laughs> forms of fraud and money laundering and sentenced to a notably lenient four punch. years in prison. Four years of nut What? Punching. Not even. Four years. <coughs> 18 oh. counts of fraud and money laundering and sentenced to four years in prison. Outrageous. It's all about... You steal people's money. You don't. You don't go to jail for very long. Yeah, white collar crime versus absolutely. So, so that concludes my story, Reggie. I'd love to hear. We've discussed some of the inconsistencies I I saw, but I'd love to hear from you things that press your buttons, that raise your heckles, that that just. Are not okay. Okay, so can I just start with the um, death penalty, shall we? Um, murder in many states in um, in America carries the death penalty, and the reason that I became a criminal lawyer was because I learnt in in year eleven about um, Ronald Ryan being the last person who was hanged in Victoria, and I said that I wanted to ensure that that never happened again um and yes it, it hasn't happened again obviously because the death penalty has been abolished in in victoria and australia but so you're free um, to go and do something else now this this case <laughs> i've achieved my goal i can now Tick. go and become a dolphin what should trainer. i do next <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes <laughs> 
So. Sorry, I interrupted Reg. Sorry. Reg. That's... Reg. Reg is okay with um, interruptions. Oh, sorry, Dave. But, yeah, it, this is, this sort of case is a, is a typical example of why we should not have the death penalty because um, nothing is ever beyond reasonable doubt. There's always problems with prosecutions and the criminal justice system does not work perfectly and should not ever have a situation where somebody who might not be guilty can be killed. Yes. I'd never really thought of it like that. Well, as I said earlier, let's rebrand it because it's not the criminal justice system. Yeah. We have, have, hey, have we come up with a better, with a better um, um, word to use? The political make us feel okay system. Um, the criminal circus know. system. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's Ooh, a good I like one. Circus. I, yes. like I think somehow it could be sort of worked in there. Mm. Yes, definitely. Uh, what were your other thoughts around the case? Or are we ready? Oh, it's just—it's just appalling. It, it's, it's a shocker. It's an absolute um, shocker. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps. It, it you know, the hairs on my arms just raise, just are raised actually. every time I I hear the circumstances of this case, and it's all appalling. Part of the problem, also, I think, is that, and this is just a personal thing, and it might not be what actually happens, but it seems like the American justice system circus system really um does not work that well i know a number of my yes colleagues have have, um, have gone off to the states and worked at uh, on a pro bono basis for a place called the the innocence project where they yes yeah i've heard of it deal post conviction though it's always Mm. A post- long time post conviction. Conviction yeah. to save people who are on are death row. Wrongfully mm. convicted. Yeah. Um, and I don't. Does I just Kardashian don't understand. That? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that was very inappropriate of me to say, but I don't know. Like no. she always seems to be somehow involved in trying to. Are you sure, it's not one of the Jenners. No, it's definitely Kim. This is what mm. she does. She okay. finds people on death row and she starts to try and approach. Like she did save someone recently. I can't believe I'm bringing this up. She spoke to like the she got in somehow she petitioned like the governor of the particular state. I'll find it what it was. Mm, but mm. it's not the first and yet time. No she's one done can it. get no one can get Joe Exotic off. No one can do anything. But apparently Kim Kardashian. So that just speaks to more of the circus element of it. I will have a look while you speak because I know mm. that okay. she's done this a few times. It's what she's now famous for. No, not apart from her big fat ass yeah. and marrying. Let's be honest, she's but blah, she, blah. you know, because she's studying law now, so you know, but she has because she's got this profile. Is she? I'll find oh, out yeah. what it is. Sorry, I know you think I'm joking and being ridiculous, but I really wasn't. No, no. No, that's fine. All right. Are we ready to sentence? Because I am. Can I sentence first? Have you got any more inconsistencies? Are we happy to move on? Yeah, there's lots and lots, but I I think we've discussed them all, really. Um, It's Eddie Marbo. It's a vibe. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is just recorded. Look what we've just talked about. I don't know how that's Are you happened. recording this? I didn't mean to. Yeah, um, we're all going to jail also, now. We're all fucked. Also, we're <laughs> you know, recording us, but there's a whole lot of us. <laughs> a recording within a recording. That's right. How very, yeah. you know, science. Anyway, I, I okay, think, so you, you go first then. I so think, 
I'd like to oh, sentence. Hang on. Why, why you should go first is because, it's, like you said earlier, yes. you cannot be on a jury. Yes, so this is 100. One opportunity that you'll get. Okay, unless right. you come back. Can I sentence? And you and must remember. Go hammer and tongs, and you know yeah. all of the physical punishments that are not possible today are open to you right now. Correct. Anything within your imagination is open to you for sentencing. Not within the circus system of the world. Okay. Well, I think I want to sentence Walter Reed. Mm-hmm. Walter Reed, the DA. Um, what, what are you accusing him of first? Small dickness. Uh, Small dickness. <laughs> uh, attempting to pervert the course of justice. See you in the interior. All of those things. All of those things. Because he has... Uh, he has determined that someone is guilty of, of an offence without having the appropriate evidence and he's manipulated everyone uh, into a position where they won't give evidence in order to support the defence. So I think that that is a crime punishable by... Here you go. Well, let me and think. as an avid listener, and I know you're a bit behind our catalogue, but, you know, we have a... Fantasy world called trial by wine. Trial by wine world, yes. And and anything can happen in trial Send by wine. Send it to It's like Disneyland. You gotta, I don't know if Peasant Land's out yet. Oh no, it. Tk Sun is Peasant World. Yeah, can we impose lashes? Yes. A hundred lashes to Walter Reed whilst he's still in jail. Hopefully. How long is he in jail for? Was it four years? Oh, no, four years. But no, how long are oh. you putting him in jail? Oh, yes. Yeah. I can add oh, another penalty. Yeah. And how often do the lashes happen? Are they all at once? A hundred lashes every week. Are you doing 25, week? then rubbing salt, then oh, another? Every hour in the hour. Yes, to Walter Reed. Vinegar. Yes, vinegar and salt. A hundred lashes a week. And he can have a, I don't know, I, I think his four years is absolutely not sufficient. How many years? So... 20. 20 years. 20 years nice. for for not attempting but perverting the course, course of justice. Yeah. Um, and does that make you feel and better hang on, now that you've... Hang on, I think you should also have... The power's Ooh. gone to my head. It's gone to my head. I'm so excited. He should pay to... Mac? Bits. Mac and his family... Uh, a, mil- a million, a billion dollars, a billion dollars, payable like immediately. Yeah. Like and if he can't pay that, then he has to stay in jail for longer. Yeah. yeah. More nut punches for him. That's it. Good one. I'm, good. I'm really loving the smile on your oh, face so as you're happy. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Schmidty, go. Okay, so um, I'm more inclined to go a bit further back in the story. And cut this mofo off at the pass. So before we get to Walter Reed, and <laughs> you're going to the jail because he, he's because he did in wait the and woke him up. Oh, his dad's dead. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say, I could tell at the point where it's like, oh, I feel sad I didn't wake him up. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to cry right now. This is going to go so bad. I was ready to cry at that point because I really thought, yeah. I thought he was going to die, to be honest. Um, I didn't know where the story was going, but I thought... I thought he was going to die too, yeah. 
Clarkie has led us down this garden path and it's going to be awful and I was ready for that. And it's been awful too, but at least he's alive and he's very resilient and he's actually added a great deal of value to the community that he's in. So kudos to Mac. Mac, get on with your sentence. However, the police who showed up, didn't show up actually. Oh, yeah. You know, in modern... Called it in. You know, modern consultant parlance... How are you going to show up today? These motherfuckers didn't show up. They had no interest in being at work. They just called it in as you say, Carla. So because I'm a bit of a fantasist, um, I'm going to put them in a world. I was looking around the art. Uh, We're in a a, um, Regina's apartment and she's got some interesting art. And actually what led me to this sentence was what I think is what I would like to think is uh, Little Red Riding Hood, who's a bit of a skank from what I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I sent a photo to Carla earlier going, I think this is a skanky Red Riding Hood and a couple of wolves and a basket of fruit and everything's going to be good in a minute. Anyway, that particular piece of art made me think of Roald Dahl's story of the witches. And in the story of the witches, uh, there's a, I can't remember it all, but there's a little girl who gets um, one of the witches curses her into a painting and she lives in the painting and she can never get out of the painting. I'm going to curse all those bofos into a painting. What painting? It's, it's, it's a little scene of people who just have to listen to really loud rap music all the time and the lyrics don't quite make sense to them and the noise is so loud and it's very uncomfortable and they're in an environment where they're, they, they're not happy with and they are stuck in it in this painting. And we're going to watch them as this tableau of white male cis mofos. Oh. And as I said before, when I say mofo, I mean fucking your own mother is the insult. But don't genderize it. It could also be females. Sure. Can you look up for me how many females investigated this case? Cannot. Didn't. Didn't look at the ballistics. Didn't check for. But also gusher. the jury, right? Really? No, exactly. I'm free that. I'm 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 talking about the police. That wouldn't have gone to court if the police had done their goddamn I job. I agree. Yeah. And so I'm I'm angry with the police for not doing their job. Well, we don't know that they're male. Because you know what? Last week I wore the week before I talked about wanting to be a nun. My second vocational choice, policewoman. <gasps> but also we don't know that they're male. No, because you do a very bad job at storytelling it and you don't just, feel the detail Just take in. your gender bias out of it and because, because this your is points trial you're making are beautiful. Excuse me. Because this is trial by wine and you say we're allowed to decide what we want, I'm deciding they're all male. I'm going all sexist on this and I'm saying, fine, I don't care if they're male or female. You're in the painting. I'm glad we've called it out for what it is. Continue. <laughs> you're in the painting. <laughs> you're in the painting. Yeah. And you're stuck in the painting. And in that painting, you are listening to rap music, you are uncomfortable, you're in an environment you don't like to be in and you're not getting out of it because you didn't do your job. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Swanee? Witches be bitches. Well, I'm sort of like trailing behind here because I'm the last one, but of course, um, but the the two that I would choose to focus on are exactly the same. Again, Walter Reed and the investigating um, police on the first night, or actually and then thereafter, to be honest as well. And for my... um, for my like, to my liking, what I would like to do is send all of them 
uh, off to the prison that I have now installed at Peasant World within Trial by Wine World. We have, <laughs> a, we have well a very old, it, antiquated prison. It, but is there a list called Elaine Page? Please. It's called the Elaine Page Elaine Hunt? Correctional <laughs> Facility. Elaine Hunt? Yep. Or Elaine Page. Yeah, Elaine right. Page Correctional Facility. We have to listen to her singing chess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where they're going to have to go and do it. It's going to be hard labour, like, Old style, awful. Mm. You know, I've been working on the railroads. Without oh, saying, you know what I'm saying. Day. It's a bit like this. At the end of the day, there you've got nothing. Lightning's reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Charlie. Um, you nailed. Executed that, that well. The idea, bit. I'll add the. I'll add the music. <laughs> she'll, she'll add it a whole. She'll sing it all in later. Yeah. The whole number <laughs> two four six eight one or whatever his number is. Yes, but I just thought, uh, without saying, without having to spell it out, I think. You were sort of getting where I was headed with that, Clarkie, which is let's get them to go and um, really suffer. Like these poor people have had to suffer in terms of being at the hands of such corruption and ineptitude when it came to their, their job. You know, they're, they're very happy to send people off who are innocent or who certainly don't deserve the, you know, the, the sentences that they get. So let's ship this lot off, lot off to Elaine Page Correctional Facility within Peasant World <laughs> and get them doing some hard labour indefinitely. Nice. Love it. Yeah, Could yeah. you imagine how bewildered he was when he first got arrested? Oh. It's just so yeah, awful. Yeah, awful, right? Oh, and just so right. you know, Elaine Page is notorious. Like, it is <laughs> really one worst. of the worst prisons that you've ever heard. Well, they always reference it in Law and Order when they're going up. What's it, where they go upstate? What's it called, the one in New York? Rikers. Rikers. It's like that. But instead of Rikers, yeah, they're all going to be mentioning Elaine Page. Elaine Page. They're all going to come at the bottom. Elaine Page. They've gone to interviews. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. That's the one that's in oh, Trial by it. Wine World. <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. Your um, turn, Yes. So mine, I'm going I'm to start by saying that yesterday we went to the Australian Open, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know is a tennis tournament. <laughs> uh, we had seats... We thought that was great. We booked row A, which is like front row, and um, we were in the sun the whole time, right? So the Australian sun is incredibly unforgiving. Um, and I was sitting there uh, having an unfortunate smelting accident, and I said to Stuart, I actually think this could be a um, trial by wine punishment because it's, it's, it's harsh, right? It's really harsh. But at least I had um, sunscreen on. So... My my the people I want to convict are those people from 1898 who decided it was okay to pass a law uh, to counteract the fact that black people can be on juries to then effectively nullify their um, their vote on a jury. So sorry, she did. Can you add into your sentence the people who also thought it was appropriate to convict people? Operating a cow, or oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's put them all under the same umbrella. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I, I just think that to me, um, I don't know. As a as a younger person who was quite naive um, back in the day, I, I just felt that this system um, was all about trying to find guilty people um, and convict them. I'm, I'm a very big fan of convicting guilty people the more that i've known you reggie and the more that i've grown as an adult the more i realize that the system is not about that and it's it's really really disappointing 
But so these people who actually went, you know what, now that black people can vote, we need to pass a law to counteract that. Yeah. I just think is... Disgusting. It's 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 disgusting. Off. But you've, all I've got to say is it was 1898. Don't care. Don't care because we, <sighs> we can sit here and, and put times around it and I understand that, There's cultural you know, context. It's still disgusting. That's my point, right? So, so I just don't. I just. Don't so if slavery was abolished, people were meant to be equal. End of. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you can also um, try to justify any of that, but but I won't have it. So um, anyway, so so my punishment for them is to come to the Australian Open, sit in the uh, heat of the Australian sun, without sunscreen, to the point where they are not only become lobster red by burning, but then also um, become black because they're so burnt that their skin turns black. And then I want them to be subject to their own filthy racism and treated like um, absolute shit because of something that's completely out of their control. Love it. Love that punishment. That's where I've landed. Do you know what? There is something that, um, or a documentary that I saw, maybe at the beginning of COVID, but it was a few years earlier that I just tried to have a quick look for it. It was called 13th, and it was about how so many decisions in the US were made to keep black people in prison. Uh, and then when they came out of prison, how they could then use them because they were still, when, it's after slavery, so that they still were able to use them as a workforce. It is so disturbing. It is unbelievable. But and it sort of, speaks to your um, point about this decision that was made in Louisiana, which how can they still control the situation? They had to change things when they had to abolish different things. And it's basically set throughout the, well, I guess, 21st century. But I would definitely yeah, recommend yeah. you have a look at that because that, that's, again, all about that. It was so shocking to watch. I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea that's how the whole system works. It's not about, as you say, innocent people staying out of jail and, yeah, guilty people going to jail. Really, that's kind of by the by. It's it's a, it's business. It's uh, politics, absolutely, and the other stuff is sort of well, that's just the circus beer, isn't it? Really, it's yeah, terrifying. Yeah. And I think I think something that I, I do want to point out at the moment though is that this is a, a US story, and it's clearly therefore we're we're um, putting them under the microscope. But in Australia, we have terrible history Absolutely. of the way we treat Indigenous people. Yeah. And we, we also um, generally don't promote that. So, so I think in America, they're a little bit better at yeah. promoting some of the injustices that have happened. We're probably not at that point just yet. But, but I think well. that um, we're sitting here saying this happens in America. I think 100% this also happens in Australia. We just have a, a few more hurdles to get over before where we actually talk about it openly and honestly and, and um, in the right context. We're nearly there. True. Maybe that's something that Trial by Wine can actually work on. Mm -hmm. And there are some horrific stories that probably need more airplay than we give them in Australia. Yeah. So I agree. So that concludes um, my story, well, The Camouflage Assassin Rapper. I'm going to wrap us up with the rapper. I'm going to say... Thank you, Reggie, for joining us. Thank you. Amazing. It was a pleasure. I'm so excited to be part of Trial by Wine. <laughs> we appreciate your expertise. I like the fact that you back me up because I rarely get backed up on this show. 
Um, but thanks. Uh, also, Clarkey bringing a very complex and interesting and really sad story. I'm glad that Max out. I just would like to think that his uh, case eventually gets expunged. Obviously, well, from everything you've told us today, that man did nothing wrong, and it's a terrible miscarriage of justice. Yeah. But it can happen anywhere. To your point. Mm-hmm. Also in South Africa. Anyway, <laughs> I like to wrap it up. I like to bring it back. Anyway, all right. Uh, Carla, yes, I hope you're not too tired and oh. you're not too nasally. I did see a few <laughs> tissues come out earlier. I was saying it lasted a while that I got a bit nasally, but yeah, before that, I'm okay. A little bit of uh, sniffy gooniness, but don't worry, I'll let it out. Um, and woo. Great episode. So thank you all for joining us. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Miss you already. Good job. Nice to meet you. Always meet you too, Reggie. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Miss you already. Miss you already. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, trial by wine, or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.